I, I like him as a runner. Uh, to be honest, um, you know, you see the, you see a guy run the ball a couple times, you kind of you kind of know if he can run the ball or not. And uh, I kind of felt he did um, being in the Big Ten. That's all we did, um, even though he went to Northwestern. <laughs> yeah. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on Chargers Weekly. That was the voice of Melvin Gordon talking about his new running mate, Justin Jackson. A bit later, my one-on-one with Jackson, you'll get to know Northwestern's all-time leading rusher, both on and off the football field. But first, pro football-focused senior analyst and bachelorette contestant Mike Renner joins me. We'll discuss why he thinks the Bolts are ready for a Super Bowl run. All right, Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus joins me on Chargers Weekly. And Mike, I was excited to have you on the pod to talk some Chargers uh, one of your recent pieces on PFF, but we have to start with your latest claim to fame. You're currently a contestant on The Bachelorette, and I think as we tape this, you have received that ever-important first rose from Bachelorette Becca. Uh, I know you can't give anything away, man, but how did this whole thing come to be? Uh, I was I was actually a fan of the show before I even went on. I've watched about three or four seasons of it, uh, and I kind of just I had the opportunity uh, through a friend who knew a friend and something like that to, uh, you know, get in touch with one of the casting directors. And it was, a, it was a, like a three or four month process went from there and I ended up getting on the show. And I talked to, you know, Chris Collinsworth here over at uh, PFS and just I asked him if that's even a possibility. He said, go for it, man. Do whatever. <laughs> you know, he's only young once. All right, describe the nerves coming out of the limo to anything else you've ever done, man. Because I, I have to imagine that's a little bit, that's a little bit intimidating. Yeah, I mean, it's it is a nerve-wracking process, that's for sure. It just was not, like you said, not anything you're ever going to do ever again in your life. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you just the, all the eyes are on you, and yeah, you just hope you don't really blow it. No, dude. Well, hey, you nailed it on the first episode. Do any of the guys in the house follow Pro Football Focus and, and know what you did and talk ball with you at all? Yeah, I mean, well, there, there were two NFL players, so yeah. uh, they had at least heard of me. So, yeah. Nice, man. Well, hey, we'll be watching next Monday. You got some fans here in Costa Mesa. Uh, but I wanted to have you on to talk about this piece that you recently wrote on PFF. It's entitled, The Los Angeles Chargers Are Prime for a Super Bowl Run. And this isn't new for you, Mike, because you were riding with the Chargers last season. I, I've listened to the Pro Football Focus podcast. Uh, explain why you're so high on this team in 2018. Well, I think it starts with the fact that this was a very good team in 2017. I mean, they were a top three defense in terms of you know points per game against a uh, season ago. They only went nine to seven because you know they had Young Ho blowing some games for them at the beginning of the year. This was a team that legitimately should have or realistically could have gone eleven and five, and you know no one would have batted an eye. That would have seemed you know the caliber of team that they were. Fortunately, they didn't. Ended up missing the playoffs. But I think it starts from this was already a talented roster. And then you add to the fact that they're bringing in more talent in terms of one of our favorites, Derwin James, in the draft. Two guys we liked a season ago who barely played as rookies and Mike Williams and Forrest Lance. That influx of talent along with the roster that's pretty much staying intact from a season ago. Would you just think, you know, get a few more bounces going their way and they could easily be, you know, a 12 and 14 this upcoming season? Well, you talked about some of the foundational pieces, specifically on defense, but the pass rush and the secondary. Let's start with the secondary and Derwin James. What did you think of that selection, and how do you envision him in this Gus Bradley defense? I truthfully couldn't believe he fell as much as he did. It almost reminded me of Marshawn Lattimore from a season ago when 
you know, I think everyone agrees that this guy's top five talent in the draft. It just didn't seem like the need lined up for a lot of teams. Uh, you know, if you're comparing him to the safeties that went a season ago, I'd take him in a heartbeat before Jamal Adams and Malik Hooker. And, you know, Adams went, you know, six, I believe. And yeah. so I think James, that type of talent uh, falls all the way to 17 to where you can plug him in right away in that cover three defense. You could play him in the deep role. You could play him in the box role and he could, excel in either he's just a very complete safety a very modern safety in today's nfl that could do anything you want i mean he was the top graded safety in our college grading as a freshman you know coming at at fsu so there's not a lot of question marks in this game you had to go secondary that is already one of the best in the league and now it's really just scary what they could do defensively yeah well you mentioned some of these other guys like casey hayward he was pff's highest graded corner last year at 96.4 but there's a few forgotten names as well i mean we talk about Jason Verrett going down, Trevor Williams, undrafted free agent from Penn State. He started 15 games, had a really high grade. Desmond King, another guy in the fifth round, really performed well in the nickel. Those are two guys that not many people envisioned having the impact that they did in 2017. Yeah, we love Desmond King coming out. I think we had him as a second rounder uh, because of those deep speed concerns. But just as in terms of his football ability and football IQ was off the charts for a cornerback, you know, and the slot's a perfect position for him. I think he's going to stay there. And uh, he's one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league already, you know, going into the second year. Trevor Williams, like you mentioned, very underrated in terms of what he did a season ago was fantastic playing across from Casey Hayward. And it really can't be understated how good Casey Hayward was a season ago. He tracked number one receivers week in and week out and did about as well as you could possibly do doing that. About as well as we've seen any corner do in that role since, you know, Darrell Rivas back in 2009. So, now you add Jason Verrett to that secondary, go four deep at corner, which I'm not sure anyone else in the NFL goes four deep at quality corner. So they can really, it, there's really no spot in that secondary where you can attack them. There's no weakness really to attack. And at that point, if you get the pass rush up front going with Bosa and Ingram, uh, there's going to shut down a lot of good passing offenses this upcoming season. You look around the league. Is this the deepest secondary in the league? I know th- there's a lot of good secondaries. You know, I look at one in Jacksonville in the AFC, but with the addition of James, with the, the hope that Verrett comes back healthy and, and ready to rock, this has to be the deepest secondary, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, full strength. I don't think, like I said, I don't think anyone goes four deep at corner. There are a few teams in the NFL that even go three deep at quality corners, and the Chargers go four deep now with Verrett back. And then to have, you know, a safeties in it, uh, and uh, Derwin James there is, I mean, that's about as good as it gets. I'm trying to think of anyone just off the top of my head. I know the Jaguars have two good safeties as well, along with two corners, but I don't think anyone has, you know, six quality DBs like the uh, Chargers do. Well, also some interchangeable pieces because what they did in the draft, Mike, with the first four picks, they went defense. How would you assess the other defenders that the Chargers drafted in the first four rounds outside James? Because Uchenna Nuosu is a guy who is athletic. He can get his hands on the football. Kaiser White played safety in college. He's going to play linebacker here with the Chargers. And then Justin Jones, a nice player to put in that rotation, especially when you consider Corey Legit missing the first four games. Yeah, I think the only spot to attack this defense, you know, going forward would have been the linebacker position. And then they addressed that with the Wosu. Uh, I thought he was better as an off ball linebacker at USC than he was rushing the passer. And I think that's where, you know, the Chargers are going to play him. And he is fantastic athlete, has great, you know, coverage skills. He showed that at USC. So I think he's an upgrade there from what they had 
And uh, they just needed to get stronger up the middle. That was the only weakness to a very good defense a season ago was uh, their run defense and just, you know, uh, their linebackers in coverage. So I think they've targeted those, both those after Derwin James. And now if they do live up to, you know, Jones lives up to his potential as no tackle and Wolf do as a linebacker, all of a sudden, all those sort of perceived holes uh, stop uh, stop being holes, and now you have a defense that there's really t- no way to attack, very similar to you know what we saw from the Jaguars last year. And we we didn't mention the pass rushing duo of Bosa and Ingram. How does PFF look at those guys? Look at that combination compared to other combos in the league because there's some good ones, but I I don't know if there's one as as good as Bosa and Ingram. Yeah, they were sixth and seventh respectively in our pass rush. Great in our overall edge rusher grades last year. No one else had two in the top 15, I want to say. So, I mean, they're the clear class in the league in terms of duos. Uh, and they're they're both getting better every year, it seems like. Or at least in our grading, Bosa went, took a pretty sizable leap from year one to year two. Ingram's gotten better each of the past three years. That trend continues. I mean, those guys could both be top five edge rushers next season, and that all of a sudden is, you know, it's just a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks because, you know, as much as interior pressure matters, it's that edge pressure that turns to sacks that is much, uh, you know, that really ruins games for opposing offensive coordinators. So, yeah, like I said, that's a, uh, they're lucky to have those two. Mike, on offense, let's flip it over there. You wrote that the O-line needs to be better in 2018. Uh, we still got the pro bowler on the left side and Russell Kuhn. Chargers brought in another pro bowler at center and Mike Pouncey, four slams slated to return. Dan Feeney started nine games last year. We'll look to to build on that in year two. How would you assess the line in, in everything that they did this offseason in improving it? And I, I should mention the Chargers had the fewest sacks in the NFL, but I think some of that was attributed to Rivers getting rid of the ball a little bit early, um, and you can always improve. Yeah, I mean, it, it was almost all due to Rivers getting the ball early. They still, I think they were 25th in our pass blocking grading. Still not a good offensive line a season ago, but there's a lot of reason to believe that that's going to change this year, that they have at least sort of shored up every hole along that front that could have been shored up. Like you mentioned, Pouncey going to center, Forrest Lamp now at right guard. Now you have five guys that are at least competent across that front. That's not going to be a top 10 unit. No one's going to confuse them for, you know, the Dallas Cowboys anytime soon. But when you look over the course of the Chargers, you know, Philip Rivers' career as a Charger, they haven't had an above-average pass-blocking line since 2007 So in our grading. So over a decade with just below-average pass-blocking, if they can just get above it, they can just, you know, get above that uh, the Mendoza line, just be a little better than they have been in, the, in recent history. I think you'll be able to lead a competent to a to you know a one of the better offenses in the NFL, especially with the weapons they have on the outside. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that they're going to be a lot better off on the offensive line in 2018. Mike, the piece you wrote unfortunately coincided with Hunter Henry's injury, which make no mistake is a big blow. But there's still no shortage of weapons on this team for Phillip Rivers. I think there's a variety of ways to try to replace Hunter's production. How do you think they do it? Yeah, that one really killed me because I was looking forward to what he could do you know, on his own as the number Absolutely. one guy, as their real option this upcoming season because everything in his limited play, and was one to suggest that he's one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I mean, it's fantastic all-around tight end. can really you know, stretch the field for them. And Philip Rivers loves to utilize the tight end position in that offense. So 
a big blow, but I don't think it's such a big blow that you're, you know, it's going to really take the offense a huge step back because, you know, not a lot of offenses really revolve around the tight end. It's a nice complimentary piece. It's the guys on the outside that do really the heavy lifting. And now they have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams uh, coming back, you know, at full strength in year two. So that those two should be able to at least, you know, still provide them with a high-level passing offense, I'd say. Mike, quickly, let's spin around the AFC West. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this division. It's been an off-season of change for this division. It starts with the division champion Chiefs. What are your thoughts on KC with Mahomes under center? I, I like Mahomes. Uh, I like what I saw from him in Week 17. I like him coming out. He was a lot further along in his development than I thought he would be last season. And so that bodes well for them going into 2018. But I don't like that defense whatsoever. I mean, without Marcus Peters, this is already one of the worst defenses in the NFL in 2017. Now you lose your best corner by far, and you're a team that plays a ton of man coverage. They rely on their corners to be exceptional. I I just, I I don't think it's going to turn out well. I think they could be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. And at that point, I'm not sure they're going to have, you know, the high-level offense that they did a season ago to carry them back to the playoffs. Broncos, another team with a new quarterback in Case Keenum. A lot of new coaches under Vance Joseph. I like what they did in the draft. Do you look at them as contenders in 2018, at least for the division? I don't think so. I just they've just bled talent so much through the dra- through their recent drafts. If you go back to the past five seasons, they just have not added a lot of quality players in the draft. Now they got Bradley Chubb this past season, and he looks like he could be a plug and play at defensive end but they've just missed on so many of their first, second, third rounders that they just don't have a lot of quality depth. And now without a key to leave on one side, Bradley Roby is not nowhere near as the most he played two teams over the course of his career in terms of performance. So uh, the secondary is going to take a little bit of a step back. They just, I get that quarterback was play there was awful season ago and they have a big upgrade, but I still don't see it being a, you know, one of the better offenses in the NFL. At that point, you have a defense that took a step back, Offense that's still average. I see them being maybe a little better than last year, but I don't think they're a true contender. Lastly, the Raiders, probably the biggest wild card to me. I can't get a gauge on them. Most people I speak to can't get a gauge on them. John Gruden in the mix now. Uh, what do you say about the Raiders? I can't really get a gauge on them, but I have I struggled to believe that this roster is much better than it was a season ago. Now, they might be better coached with Gruden as their coach, but they just have not added much talent despite adding a bunch of you know names to yeah. that roster. A lot of older names. Uh, yeah, a lot of guys who I'd be surprised if they really contribute. Guys like Jory Nelson, you know, even Doug Martin, guys who are pretty much washed up at this point who aren't going to really contribute to that roster. The offensive line has been trending downwards for a couple of years now. And so there's, there is still some talent. I mean, they still have Derek Carr. They still have Amari Cooper. They still have Khalil Mack. But outside of that, there's just, similar to the Broncos, but there's not a lot of depth on that roster because they have not been drafting amazingly well in the past few years. Mike, look at the landscape of the AFC overall. Uh, I guess usual suspects, right? We're talking Patriots, we're talking Steelers, we're talking Jags. Any other team that you can see contending in, in the AFC? Obviously, we talked about the Chargers uh, most of this podcast. I really, there really is not one. I mean, I think maybe, uh, maybe the Titans if everything bodes well, I like what they've done defensively there uh, over the past couple of seasons. They, they could have a good defense. If they really turn around that offense, Mark Smith really takes the next step. I can see them, but they is really down in terms of talent. I mean, all the, I'd say of the top five teams, maybe 
four are in the NFC. The NFC is just loaded with teams mm-hmm. that could make the playoffs, whereas in the AFC, you might see an eight and eight team sneaking again. Well, Mike, I, I can't thank you enough for your time, bro. This is the title of the article. The Los Angeles Chargers are primed for a Super Bowl run. It's on Pro Football Focus. Check it out if you haven't already. Mike, when can we see you on The Bachelorette again? Is uh, It's next week, right? Is it Monday? Yeah, Monday, 8, 7 Central. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks, and uh, best of luck, man. We're rooting for you here in Costa Mesa. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. So the Los Angeles Chargers schedule is out, and boy, it's nice to finally know how we'll be spending our Sundays this fall. How many Charger games did you make last year, Matt? I made 20. Four preseason games and 16 regular season games last year. Which are you circling for this season? This season, I'll circle the Niners and Cardinals as they play the NFC West. And let's not forget about those rivalry games, P. You seriously don't want to miss this. Visit FightForLA.com or call 877-CHARGERS to share Matt's experience. Season tickets on sale now. All right, here with new Chargers running back Justin Jackson on Chargers Weekly. Justin, how you doing, man? Hey, man, appreciate you having me on. Welcome to Los Angeles, first and foremost. Thank you. West Coast, best coast, as they say. <laughs> Second week of OTAs. How's the uh, on-field transition been for you? Um, you know, it's tough, definitely. I mean, you're just moving up to the next level. But at the end of the day, it's football, you know, so it's just go out there and as a running back, a position that's so instinctual, just try and go out there and play, uh, not think too much. Melvin just told, told us, us two rookies out there, hey, you run the ball, don't think. You know, just play and think on protection and all that other stuff. But when you run the ball, just, just go out there and play. I want to get to that in a second. First, this last month for you, uh, I didn't get to talk to you right when you were drafted. Describe the last month for you and your family, not only your, your immediate family, but that, that Wildcat family in Evanston. Oh, man, it was a great moment. Definitely think not only for myself, but, uh, you know, for all the my teammates that I got you know, picked up as well, all out here balling, you know, just trying to work and, and show, you know, that Northwestern work ethic that we got. Um, but it's been wild, you know. I've only been out here for about two and a half weeks. Seems like longer, yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're just focusing so much on each day and trying to get better, and obviously everything's new, so it's just a whirlwind. Well, but I talked to Kaiser last week. I mean, you guys were at the golf tournament last week. You're yeah. at the Angel game. I yeah. mean, where haven't you been in, I know, in right? the last three weeks? You know? I know, right? It's kind of crazy. We got to meet, you know, Albert Pujols, Mike Trout, all the guys it's from the cool. Angels. It's just unbelievable, unbelievable. I spoke to Coach Fitzgerald a couple of weeks ago, and he went into detail about how you never miss a special teams meeting, mm. even though you didn't play special teams. Yeah. You, I mean, you were the bell cow in the Big Ten Conference. He sat in every special teams meeting for four years, and about halfway through his sophomore year, I'm like, JJ, what are you doing sitting in the meetings? He's like, Coach, I'm going to have to make it in the NFL on special teams. I need to know what the L5 means or the fullback means or what they do on kickoff return or things of that nature and you want to talk about a guy who's humble I mean you know unbelievable that type of work ethic when he could have been sitting in the locker room for five extra minutes or you know putzing around with the other guys you know here's a guy that was in there trying to learn learn the game how to be prepared for the next level so he'll, he'll be ready to rock and roll and compete in the kick game no doubt describe why you felt that it was necessary for you to be in those special teams meetings during your four years in Evanston um you know I just I'm a football nut you know I, I like I just like learning um, and so early on, it was, you know, I'm, I might play special teams. And obviously, I started you know, playing a lot of running, getting a lot of running back reps. And then I knew I wasn't going to play special teams, but I was just in there because hey, everyone else was in there and I wanted to learn. Um, and I knew, you know, towards, you know, the back half of my career that, hey, this is going to be something I'm going to have to do yeah. the next level, at least early on. So I want to make sure I get all these techniques down, these fundamentals, schemes, you know, kickoff schemes, stuff like that, kick return, all that other stuff. So that's just something I knew I would have to learn. So I said, you know, 
definitely want to get that in now so when I get to the next level, I'll be ready. Well, I sense a theme here too, Justin, because last week I saw you last person off the field with Melvin. Yeah. Today, same thing. All yeah. the media rushes over to, to Philip and Coach Lynn at the press conferences. Team exits the field. You and Melvin, the last two on the field. Um, yeah. it, it's the little things, I think, right. it, that it seems to have been instilled in you re- really from a, from a young age. Yeah, it's all about work. Uh, that's how you get to this point. Um, and, and when you get to this point, you know, all it, all it is is you turn that up more. Um, so it's just work harder. Um, and obviously Melvin's a pro, a pro bowler. He had an unbelievable year last year. Um, and, and he's still the last one out, out there. And, and that's the reason he got to that point. So I'm just trying to learn from him. And How's know, it been working with him so far? It's, it's been great, you he's, know. He's another Big Ten guy. Well, yeah, you know? both Big Ten guys for sure. Um, but, you know, he's, he's great. He's a great mentor. Um, you know, he's, he's been talking to us, giving us advice, tips, everything. Um, he doesn't have to do that. So that's just, he's just a good guy overall. I'm obviously a great football player and someone I'm definitely trying to learn from. You know, I just felt like, you know, if we want to be where we want to be, um, we got to put a little bit extra in. Um, so, you know, I know they'll be up for it. And, and, you know, it comes with a lot, you know, trying to make the team and, and everything like that. So just putting them in the, uh, in the best position, you know, to be successful. Another guy in that backfield is Austin Eckler. Yeah. And he was in a similar position that you were in this year. Yeah. Being, a, you know, an undrafted free agent, making a mark in uh, training camp, yeah. preseason, then carving out a role on this football team. It, it seems like you have a nice balance of the vet in Melvin and a guy that was in your position right. last year. Yeah, definitely. I think Austin, you know, he's a, he, he's a great example of just working, you know, to get where you are. Um, that's all he did last year was just work. And he did most of it on special teams, which, which is where I feel like I can learn from him a lot just because he made his mark on special teams. That's how he made this team. Yeah. And now, and then, you know, throughout the season, he started getting running back reps. He proved himself there. And so, you know, that's that's kind of how you get on the field. And that's how you get, you know, on the bus. So that's kind of something I'm trying to learn from him is just go out there and, you know, you might not be perfect. You know, you're a young guy. You're still learning. But just go out there and, and um, you know, try and know your stuff and, and go out there and play hard. Every rookie's different yeah. in that the fit. You know, you look at this team, we talked about Austin, we talked about Melvin. Mm. Coach Lynn was a running backs coach in this league for 14 years before he became the head coach Mm -hmm. of the Chargers. Discuss the fit with the L.A. Chargers and and the opportunity that I think you are granted here and uh, and really preparing for the 2018 season. I actually see a lot of parallels between this organization and Northwestern, um, our our football program. You know, they value character, high character guys, you know, guys that are going to work hard. You know, all the the older guys, the vets, you know, they're kind of taking the young guys under their wing. Know, which isn't typical, I think, of, of the of the NFL. So, um, no, that's been good to see for sure. And and then it's just about going out there. You know, there's a high emphasis on special teams. Same thing in Northwestern. Um, so I see a lot of parallels there. So that, that's obviously been a kind of a smooth transition for me as far as the expectations. Um, and then Coach Lynn, like you said, was a running back coach. He comes over our drills all the time. You know, instilling us knowledge and stuff like that. And that's just a chance that's for the head coach to see you more, right? Absolutely. And um, you know, he can. He knows, you know, what a good running back looks like, obviously. Um, so, you know, just trying to take what, he, t- take what he's teaching us and learn from that and, and go out there and play. The difference between training camp, OTAs, obviously going to be much different, especially for a running back. Right. I mean, what can you accomplish in OTAs that can prepare you for training camp, it being that, you know, we're, we're not in pads yet. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole other aspect added to the game when you put the pads on, I mean, especially for a running back, right? But what you can learn now is, focusing on your reads, focusing on your assignment, stuff like that, so that when you get to that point where the physicality is, is um, obviously added to it, um, you're not thinking as much. And that's what it's about. Being a running back is first and foremost about 
being instinctual and not thinking. Sure. Um, so if you're out there thinking, you're going to be slow. And when you're slow out here, you're going to get You know, it's, it's you're with a lot of things, right? It's just that subconscious. Like, yeah, don't exactly. be thinking about things. Just let it happen. Exactly. And that's that's the biggest thing I'm trying to do right out here right now is is learn the playbook, learn everything I need to know so that when I get to training camp, I'm playing fast and, and playing at the NFL speed. All right. I got to figure some things out here, man, because I read in high school you had a 5.0 GPA. How does that happen? How does that occur? Um, yeah, so we had we had honors we had honors courses, so like the AP courses, yeah, and all called? those. And yeah, so yeah. if you, you know, 4.0 was the highest you get unless you had honors class and you get 5.0. I don't think I had exactly a 5.0. I might have had in the mid to high fours or something like that. But yeah, still pretty good. Yeah, still, still, still pretty good. I always like to challenge myself. Did that in high school. Did it in college, yeah. obviously. So that's something I like to do. Well, you did it academically, but you also did it athletically because it wasn't just football, right? It was hoops. Right. And yeah. track, right? Yep. You lettered in all three. Yeah, so I did. I lettered in all three. I did basketball, obviously, and football, obviously, for four years. But basketball, which I love, basketball. Yeah, like I, I read that was your first love. Yeah, I, I man, I, I thought I was gonna be a basketball player, and then I stopped growing. What position were you? Point so. uh, guard, shooting guard? Uh, I played point in high school. Okay. Yeah, led yeah. the county in assists. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. But you know that desire to be great, though, Justin. Where does that come from? Because obviously that was instilled in you early. I mean, yeah. we're talking about high school and and doing all these things. I talked to Coach Fitz about uh, the impact that you had on that mm. Northwestern community. Yeah. Uh, where does that come from? I just think you know, from my family. You know, my dad. My dad's a control freak. He likes to do everything himself, whether it's um, you know doing the yard work or whatever, or fixing the cars, fixing the house. And sometimes he messes it up. But we really, we really need to get someone else to do. But he just he tries to be great in everything he he does. He and that's kind of something he instilled in us. And so then when we went out, we were trying to do everything well. We we're playing basketball, playing football, doing this, doing that, playing volleyball, track, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, just trying to you know whatever you do, just go out there and, and work hard, try and be great. Well, why not? You know who who doesn't want to be the best no in whatever you do. When did you realize that football was the sport? Um, probably high school. Um, because I just remember, oh man, when we were younger, man, it was all about going to the high school games and just watching the guy. Like, oh, I can't wait to be on varsity and all that stuff. Then we finally got to high school. You know, we're playing with your boys that you play, you grew up with, playing Park District, and and everyone's like, oh, you know, high school's way harder and all that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be good. <laughs> and then you know, my first game, I scored like six touchdowns. I'm like, oh man. And then I get called up. Then my sophomore year, I'm playing on varsity with my older brother. And I'm doing, you know, come playoff time, me and him are splitting carries. We're both just doing well. We got to the semifinals. So, and then I think, I think my first offer came in my sophomore year, early junior year. And then I kind of started realizing, you know, I could, something I could do. And then my junior year, just had a great year and got all these offers. Senior year, had a great year. Um, and then, you know, it, I don't think it hits you until you kind of get there. You know, you get your, you get on campus and you're like, wow, I really, you know, use football as a vehicle to get my education. And I'm at one of the best schools in the country Special. playing Big Ten football. So it, it comes so fast and you don't have time to step back and think about it all the time. But then when you do, you're like, wow, this is pretty incredible. You mentioned the parallels between the Northwestern community and, and here at the Chargers. Yeah. If you had to pick one lesson from Coach Fitzgerald that, that really stuck with you, what would it be? Something Coach Fitz always says is people do things for others that they know and like, right? So yeah. It's all about just going out there, and he always talked about being a wildcat man. You know, it's about integrity. It's about respect. It's about you know, go, you know, looking at your fellow you know human being and respecting them for who they are, right? Um, and just being nice to people, being kind to people. And and uh, we were having our rookie meeting, and uh, one of the the D linemen uh, had a you know great example of that. He went to a car dealership, and he was talking to the car dealer and everything. He got the car. He was just really nice to the person, and, and that person ended up being like 
had some connection to the owners, right? The owners of the Chargers, and yeah. then they obviously spoke well about him, and then that came back down from the. So you just never know. Little right? things. You never know who you're talking to. So it's just about. It's not about acting different, right? It's about just being yourself and being kind, absolutely, and being uh, nice to others. And, and Coach Fitz, was, it was the same way. It was the same way. So I think that's something I definitely learned from. You know, not just Coach Fitz. I knew that before, but he really, you know, instilled yeah. it in us and, and really pushed that hard. So something that we can continue to do. Swears to live by, man. What are the Chargers getting in Justin Jackson, the man, Coach? Well, they're getting the, the full deal. I mean, he is everything. He's, he's a unicorn, to be quite honest with you. He's got the toughness, the durability, never missed a practice, never missed a game uh, in his career here on the field, off the field, you know, a double major, uh, incredibly engaged and involved in our campus and our campus community, uh, a young man that was willing to give of himself uh, for the enjoyment uh, in the betterment of, of our community, just a selfless young man that, uh, you know, I think once uh, he gets kind of entrenched and ingrained uh, with, with everything uh, there in L.A., he'll, he'll become a huge fan favorite. I'll get you out of here on this, Justin. NBA Finals, when was the last time? All right, so LeBron, last time he wasn't in the NBA Finals, 2010. Where were you in 2010? I was 14. You were 14 I was in, years I was in eighth grade. Think about that. I remember I was in eighth grade back in J-Stream. You know, shout out Kale Stream, hometown. Um, but, yeah, that's – man, he's unbelievable. You know, my favorite player is Dwayne Wade. Obviously, okay. another unbelievable player. Yeah. Those those years he was on the Heat, man, those were some of the best years of my life, I'm telling you. But um, he's – I mean, LeBron's unbelievable. You know, his team stepped up like he – finally um, in game seven. Um, and it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, It's going to be really you, tough. You, you, got, you got, got a finals prediction for me? We can kick it off. Oh, man. Hey, hey, I'll speak with my heart. My heart says the Cavs can somehow find a way to pull it out, but – I'm speaking with my head. I gotta go Golden State in six. I bet. Yeah, it'd be tougher. It'd be tough. LeBron's gonna get at least one or two. No, no. Here, here's my thing. I think LeBron might have a 40 point triple double, average. Yeah. And they're still not gonna win because they. I mean, look, they scored. He scored. He scored half their points. You can't score 90 points against the, the Warriors. Oh, you, you just can't. You gotta be over 100. And man, look what happened last year. And they had Kyrie. And, and I don't even know if Kevin Love's playing. And now they don't have those guys. And you can't replace that talent. So no. it's, it's gonna be tough. The intrigue too in uh, in a month and a half where he's gonna be. He could be here. Yeah. He could be up the street. He could be. He could be in L. A. Um, I don't know. It's, I think it's gonna be an interesting summer. Um, It'd be it'd be nice for him to to come out to LA, you know, because yeah. maybe maybe I get to meet him. Yeah, but get to a few games. Yeah, that, yeah. That'd, be, that'd be nice, you know. <laughs> Just, you know, meet LeBron, be cool. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, it's up in the air. Justin, it's been a pleasure, man. We're uh, we're pumped to have you here in LA. Appreciate that. And that'll do it. My thanks to Justin and Mike Renner for joining me, and of course, thanks to you all for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, and while you're there, please leave a review. Help spread the word. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and until next time, I'm Chris Harry.